Hey Forge family, Nathan Burdick here. I'm one of the Forge Firebrands. Thank you so much for joining us on this latest Forge broadcast. You know, it had been a night like any other night. The sun had gone down, the water temperature had cooled, and fishing had begun. You see, when the water temperature cools, the fish come closer to the surface, making them easier to catch. And usually nets are a really easy way to catch fish, but when there's no fish around to catch, there's nothing for the nets to grab a hold of. And it had been one of those no fish around to catch kind of nights. After hours out on the water, there was nothing to show for it. Nothing except for nets full of all kinds of various lake-borne debris. By the time the sun began to rise, it was decided that all further efforts to catch fish that evening or that day were futile. It would be better to just tie the boats off at shore and drag the nets up onto the beach and begin to clean. Everyone was tired. So tired that the commotion of the crowd that was beginning to gather couldn't really even catch their tired attention. The, this crowd had begun to gather around this teacher, this man who was proclaiming something. It was surprising when the teacher came over and said, hey, whose boat is that? Simon said, it's mine. And the teacher's request was simple. Hey, would you mind if we got in the boat and then went out a little bit onto the water so that I could finish teaching? Simon, who I know was just completely exhausted, got, said, yeah. So they got into the boat and, and they went out a little bit onto the water. And, and Simon listened in, a, a, a literally a captive audience, considering the fact that he was stuck in the boat, as the teacher finished speaking. When he did finish... The teacher turned to Simon and said, hey, let's go fishing. Simon, thinking of his experiences the evening before, realizing that the sun was now up in the sky and the fish were now at lower depths because the sun was heating the water, rendering this whole situation pretty much hopeless, thought to himself and then said, Master, we've been trying to fish all night, but we caught nothing which is a completely reasonable thing to say. I mean, he's an expert fisherman. He knows what he's talking about. But then he followed it up with this concession rather quickly. But because you say so, we'll go. So Simon went out and let down the nets. And before he really understood what was happening, they were full of fish, so full that they were beginning to break. So he called the other guys to come over and help him. And, and in just a matter of a few minutes, both boats were completely full of fish so full that they were beginning to sink. Only moments passed, only moments passed before Simon came to his conclusion. This was no ordinary teacher. Before anyone else really fully grasped what was happening, Simon was already on his knees in front of the teacher, confessing his sin and proclaiming him as Lord. Simon knew. Simon knew this was no ordinary teacher. This was no uh, ordinary rabbi. This man was special. He was unique. He perhaps even divine. Jesus didn't let Simon Peter's ha words hang in the air for long. He said, don't fear. From now on, you'll be fishers of men. The invitation was simple to follow Jesus, to no longer fish for fish, but to help Jesus find lost people. 
by the time the five of them, the Peter, James, uh, John, and Andrew were back at the beach, they had made their decision. They were going to follow. So they dropped their nets and followed Jesus. You know, this story which can be found in Luke chapter 5 verses 1 through 12 is, is one of the most compelling stories, I think. It's amazing. It's, it's a great story. It's one of the, my favorite things about it is just how significant it is and how important it is in the, the story of Peter. Isn't it crazy how Peter's life completely changed that day? Like, I'm guessing that Peter didn't wake up in the morning that morning and think to himself, you know, today I'm going to join a missional movement of uh, following the new Messiah, or the one true Messiah, uh, and it's going to affect a billion people, like several billion people over the course of the next 2,000 years. Like, he didn't think that he was doing something amazing that day. He was just waking up. It was just an ordinary day for him. But along the way, Peter encounters Jesus and everything changes for him. Everything changes. It's not just a small shift. It's not like uh, just a tiny little thing, but literally Peter's life gets flipped, turned upside down. You know, it's not, it's not an entirely strange thing to see. Jesus seems to have this effect on people over and over and over again throughout the scriptures. He seems to have the same effect on people. In fact, look how the other three fishermen who were there that day, Andrew, James, and John, look how they react to Jesus's invitation. They too drop everything and follow Jesus. Everything changed for them that day. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that strange? You know, we often talk about this idea of, of dropping everything and following Jesus, but that would have been hard to do if you think about it. I, I, don't, I don't know if I would have had the guts to do that. Uh, to, to, to leave behind everything that I know, to leave behind my family and my home and my livelihood, not to mention these, this huge amount of fish, which is probably worth a significant amount of money. I don't know if I would have done that. Like I know I'm supposed to say, of course I would have. But if I had been on the beach that day, I don't know if I would have. It's radical. It's not a small thing to just leave everything behind. It's a complete shift. When these people encountered Jesus, their lives totally changed. You know, it's like when you fall in love. Uh, I can still tell you the moment that I first saw my wife. It was early February 2013. We were out uh, doing outreach with the college that we belong to. And uh, I had been part of this ministry for a whole semester at this point. So I had taken on this leadership role and I was leading a route. And I saw Taylor, my, my wife, there. And I thought to myself, ah, this girl is special. There's something about her. Like, I, like it was like magnetism, like I needed to be around her. 
And uh, I hoped, I thought to myself, man, I hope she can get put in my, on my team for, for outreach that evening. But she, of course, did not get put on my team. Instead, later that evening, we went out uh, to, with the team to eat and, and we sat down at this table and I thought to myself, I absolutely must sit next to this girl. And I did. And as they say, the rest is history. Everything changed for me in that moment. Uh, we're now happily married. And man, if I, I just imagine like what my life would have been like if I, if I hadn't had the courage to sit down next to her that night. Everything would be different. But because I sat next down, because I sat next to her that night, everything changed for me. It's this common reality that, that, that when we encounter people, things change for us, especially significant people. In fact, it's so common that we, I think, would find it strange if people were to powerfully encounter one another and not change. Like, if I was to have met Taylor and have fallen in love with her and then it would have not affected my life, we, like, it, it's almost as if it's like a Twilight Zone episode. Like, that doesn't make any sense. That, that's a, that's a, a world that we don't live in, where things encounter each other and don't have an effect. It would be absolutely insanely bizarre to to find Peter, Andrew, Andrew, James, and John in the boats that day encountering the living Jesus and then having no change in their life. It'd be strange. It'd be bizarre. It would be almost otherworldly. Like that, That shouldn't happen that way, right? Thankfully and obviously, it's not what happens. In fact, just the opposite happens. All of their lives are totally flipped upside down. Then they, be, they join this movement that literally changes the very fabric of humanity for the next, uh, we know for sure, for the next 2,000 years and for however much longer we have. Throughout the scriptures, we see people encountering the living God and as a result, having transformed lives. It happened with Peter, Andrew, James, and John that day that they encountered Jesus, and it happens over and over and over again throughout the New and the Old Testament. Look at Moses. This guy's a murderer. He's out shepherding sheep because he ran away from Egypt, and uh, he gets up on this burning bush, and he encounters the living God, and everything changes for him, and he goes from this shepherd to this man who's leading God's people for the next 40 years. Crazy. One encounter with the living God and everything changes. Look at Paul. He's in the New Testament. He's, he's on the road, on, on the road to Damascus. He's on his way to persecute Christians. He's a guy who, who at that time was called Saul. And he's doing all kinds of crazy, insane things against Christians. Well, he was there when Stephen got stoned, the first Christian martyr. He was okay with it. Like, he is not a great dude. And along this road, a bright light and a voice, and he encounters Jesus and everything changes. And he goes from persecutor of the church to proclaimer of the very Messiah that he was trying to destroy. And look also at at Mary Magdalene, this woman who, who had seven demons. And Jesus cast out these seven demons and she decides to follow Jesus. And as a result, she plays this super important role in one of the most, probably the most important event in all of Christian history, the, the resurrection of Jesus. One moment, 
And these people's lives are all changed. And the crazy thing is, it happens over and over and over again, even after Jesus ascends into heaven. In Acts chapter 8, the Ethiopian eunuch encounters the living Jesus through the words of one of Jesus' followers, a man named Philip. Through the word of God, through the, the scroll of Isaiah, he encounters the living Jesus and everything changes for this Ethiopian eunuch. And church tradition teaches us that he carried the gospel to Ethiopia 2,000 years ago. Crazy. And I mean, this list could go on and on. These people's lives are, are completely changed. When someone's life gets up close to Jesus in the scriptures, everything changes for them. It's striking. It, it, it's It's amazing. And it's got to make us wonder if this paradigm, if this reality of encountering Jesus and having lives that change happens over and over and over and over again throughout Scripture, then why does it seem so extremely uncommon today? I mean, how many times have you heard Christians are massive hypocrites? We say one thing and then do another. Honestly, that's just a fancy way of saying that there are so many Christians out there who with their mouths say, I follow Jesus, but with their lives communicate just the opposite. There was a time in Christian history when encountering the living Jesus meant having a changed life. It meant no longer living the way that we used to live and living the way, instead striving at the very least, to live the way that Jesus wants us to live. And of course, there's always outliers like Ananias and Sapphira and so on and so forth. But the vast majority of people who encounter the living Jesus, their lives are completely shifted. And the minority of people, the severe minority of people, they encounter Jesus and, and, and things don't change for them. But 2,000 years later, it seems like the script has almost been flipped on its head. That the severe minority of people now encounter Jesus and have changed lives, but the majority of people say one thing with their mouth and another thing with their life. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. You know, when I was in kindergarten, I uh, accepted Jesus. Um, and I think that I grabbed a hold of Jesus with everything that I possibly could as a kindergartner. Uh, praise the Lord that the gospel is so simple that a kindergartner can understand it. But at the same time, obviously, like I didn't understand every little part of the gospel. And, and that kind of clearly extended into my growing up years. In high school, I was passionate about my religion. I would go toe-to-toe and debate anyone who would come against my very specific beliefs. But it would be far and few between that you could see me actually doing the things that Jesus told us to do, like love our neighbors or share the gospel. I was obsessed with being right, but unwilling to do the things that Jesus taught us to do. It it would have been easy. In fact, I would call myself at that time in my life a massive hypocrite. I, with one half of my mouth, I preached Jesus, and with the other half of my life, I did everything except for that. And as I look around the church today, both here in the United States and around the world, I see it. It's common. It seems like it happens everywhere. 
this hypocrisy, lives that say they follow Jesus with their words, but with their actions do just the opposite. People who say, uh, that, who look at sin and, and, and embrace it. We, not, not just that we, we look, we, not just that we str- like accidentally sin sometimes, but literally that we look at sin and say it, it's good or it's okay. Or, and people who will say, yes, I'm saved and I'm going to heaven one day and then it just stops and there's no sharing of the gospel and there's no loving of neighbors. There's no courageous obedience in their life to show that they've been transformed by the living Jesus. And it happens all the time. And it it really makes me wonder why. Why is this happening? Well, jumping back in my story, everything changed for me my sophomore year. I won't bog you down with all of the details, but essentially I was at my wit's end. I felt like I had nothing left to offer. I was, I was lonely. I was, I would say, on the verge of depression or something like it. I was doing really poorly. And I knew, I knew that I needed Jesus. And I remembered uh, reading or hearing at some point that some guy prayed in his closet. And so I remember that night getting up from my desk, walking over to the closet in my childhood bedroom, sitting down on the floor, closing the door. It was just barely big enough for me to sit down in and just beginning to pray and seek Jesus. And as I sought him, He met me like, I can't even, like everything changed for me as I encountered the living Jesus. And as as I prayed, he, he began to give me a hunger to spend time in his presence. It wasn't just like the right thing to do, like we're supposed to pray because we're Christians, but like I literally wanted to hang out with Jesus. And as I hung out with Jesus more in prayer, he, he gave me a hunger for his word. So I dove deep into his word. And as I dove deep into his word and prayed, I, I became even more hungry. And, and eventually he began to build in me this courage to share his message with other people, which is not something that I could ever have been seen doing. It was almost strange. It was almost bizarre behavior for me. Like, I call it strange courage that he gave me as I got up close to him. My life totally changed as I encountered the living Jesus. Everything changed for me. Just like in Peter's story, just like in Paul's story, and Mary Magdalene's story, and Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch's story, all of these people encounter the living Jesus and their lives change. Everything changes for them. My life changed as I encountered him. And and I think that is the answer to our question. Why are there so many Christians out there saying one thing with their lips and another thing with their lives? Why are there so many Christians out there who, who why, why does it seem like the vast majority of people in 2,000 years after Christ are, are people whose lives don't change as a result of encountering him? Honestly, there's probably a lot of answers. But I think that the most compelling, the most straightforward, the most obvious one is that there's a lot of people claiming that they've met Jesus, but they haven't. That there's a lot of people saying, I'm a follower of Jesus, who have never really 
met him. Jesus says that this is going to happen in Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount. He, he says that on the last day there will be many who say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and, 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 and do many mighty works in your name? And he'll say, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness, for I never knew you. The warning is clear, and so is the emphasis on encountering the living Jesus. Now, I'm not talking about meeting him in the flesh. I'm talking about encountering Jesus in the same way that the Ethiopian eunuch did, through the word, through prayer, through obedience, encountering the living Jesus and watching as our lives get changed. If you haven't had a chance to encounter the living Jesus yet, you're missing out. Whether you're a follower of Jesus or not a follower of Jesus with your words, if you haven't encountered him yet, you're missing out. You're missing out on abundant life and you're missing out on transformation. When we get up close to Jesus, everything changes. The more we spend time with Jesus, the more our lives begin to look like his life and we begin to love like he loved and our hearts begin to beat for the things that his heart beat for. His heart beats for. Ultimately, this this is what the good news of Jesus is all about. In 1 Peter 3.18, it says, For Christ died once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, so that he might bring us to God. That's what the message of Jesus is all about. It's all about getting up close to Jesus. It's all about getting up close to God. When Jesus died on the cross, our sins were erased, and the, the separation that our sins caused us to have was also erased. When he died, essentially it went like our, the separation between us and God essentially became, it is finished. We get to be up close with him, and the fact that he rose from the dead makes this a completely legitimate thing. It's, it's why we know that it's true, because he did rise from the dead. And because he rose from the dead, he's alive. And if Jesus is alive, why not meet him? At the center of it all is, is God's desire to get up close to us, for us to be in relationship with him, for us to encounter him, and for our lives to be changed as a result. And the fruit of a changed life is, is, is really clear. The fruit of, of a life that has gotten up close with Jesus and been changed is, is obvious. It, you can read it in Galatians chapter 5 for yourself. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, kindness, and self-control. The Bible says against these things there is no law. And in addition to that, uh, the fruit of, of a transformed life is a life that says yes to Jesus, yes to his teachings, and yes to his mission. You know, it was a moment on a, on a boat where Peter encountered the living Jesus and everything changed for him. It was a, a moment on a, on, a, on a road that Paul encountered the living Jesus and everything changed for him. It was a moment in the closet of my childhood bedroom that I encountered Jesus and everything changed for me. Have you encountered him? Have you met the living Jesus? And that's my invitation to all of us tonight.
It's the same invitation, kind of, that those first followers of Jesus got back in Luke chapter 5. An invitation to follow Jesus, to encounter him, to get up close to Jesus and be transformed. Will you take Jesus up on it tonight? Will you take him up on his invitation to get up close? He's, he wants to get up close. That, that's the whole reason he died, is so that he could bring us up close to God. He wants us to get up close. Will you? Will you take him up on his invitation tonight? Tonight's the night. Don't let any more time go by. It, it, it's a decision that we should make today. Because tomorrow is not a guarantee. We don't know if we're going to get tomorrow, but we know we have today, and it's a decision we need to make today. Perhaps you can even tell him, Jesus, I want you. Teach me to get up close to you.